So the question is this, how do most agents find the secrets to succeed in today's competitive real estate market, especially when the top agents are keeping those secrets to themselves? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Hi, I'm Aaron Amuchastegui, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Real Estate Rockstars, can you believe that 2021 is almost over? Happy December 1st. I'm Aaron Amuchastegui. I'm the host of the Real Estate Rockstars podcast. And today is one of those special podcasts where we go through and we recap all of our podcasts from last month and give you a few minutes of each of them so you can see if there's any that you missed that you really want to go back to. We had a lot of great people on the podcast this last month. We had record amounts of downloads on some of them. You won't want to miss out. So first up, here was an interview with Sarah and Matt Denig, longtime listeners of the Real Estate Rockstars podcast. Here's a few minutes with them. Going from being a nurse to real estate is such a great transition because I went from treating people when they were sick in a vulnerable situation to making the biggest purchase or selling the biggest purchase that they've ever had. So, you know, I was able to take the empathy and the listening skills because everybody wants a practitioner who listens to them and makes them feel like they care. And that's the same in real estate. So whether you're helping somebody bring their first baby to the house that they're going to raise their kids in, or the emotional state of I raised my kids in this, and I'm going to sell it and I want somebody really good to get it who's going to love it as much as I do. Or on the flip side of that, uh, a family that's divorcing, and it's like heartbreaking or spouse dies, like just using your best skills for each situation and being that source of, you know, help. So right now, today, I uh, staged a house yesterday, had a housekeeper come, you know, she has a basement that she never used. I turned it into zones and people are always like, oh my gosh, I wish I would have done this so much further, like, or long ago, sorry. Um, But I actually have her dog with me right now because I try (laughs) to make the transition as stress-free for them as possible. So I'll take your dog, I'll clean your house, I'll stage your house. Well, I send in professional, uh, professional cleaner, but, um, you know, just full service, full service real estate. So we try to do. Yeah. That was one of the things I saw at the very beginning that you started sharing on social media was kind of here, here we're going above, we're staging the house. I think there was one of you out there, like actually cleaning it. You're like doing some sweeping and getting it ready to carpet lines, um, always carpet lines. Yeah. <laughs> trying, trying to make sure that it shows into, the yeah, best cleaning possible. myself too. <laughs> So the, if you're going to give some advice about the best way agents can succeed over this next year, yeah. right? like in the, in this competitive market, we've talked about like, you know, a few tips so far, any extra tips for, for how people can make sure they succeed in real estate right now? So I use HomeBot, which stays in touch with people and it's kind of an added value. It gives them a, a, what's my home worth? But not only that, it takes it a little bit further. It's very user-friendly. It also goes into, you know, what, what equity position you are in, what could you maybe take that? equity with and maybe buy an investment property? Uh, What could you rent your house out for? Uh, So it it just dives in a little bit more, but more than anything else, it is a set it and forget it technology that we stay in contact with everyone once a month. So it's not overbearing. My click-through rate's about 70%. um, So I don't know what else I could do to, you know, stay in front of people and still get that click-through rate. But I mean, yeah, with the pot buy, staying, just staying in front of people as well as you can and staying relevant. And if that's through social, if it's through, you know, technology like HomeBot, if it is, you know, I don't care if it's writing down a birthday in your calendar at home, 
and then following up with those people specifically through text, phone calls. Hey, I was thinking about you. I mean, you need to be doing something because you need it, to add value. Yeah. If you're not, someone is. Mm-hmm. Just remember that. That's the best part about that. The homebot email essentially says like, hey, your house is worth $50,000 more today than when you bought it. And rates are, you know, one point lower. Like it's, it's adding value. Plus right now in this increasing market, it's such an easy thing to get. Pe- Everyone loves clicking on what's my house worth today. Mm-hmm. What's, what's my equity today. We like to dream about, you know, like I have that money if I need it. I can tap sure. into that money if I need it. I could sell that one if I need it. I can refi if I need it. All right. And if you want to hear more of that one, remember that was episode 999, Changing Careers for the Freedom of Real Estate with Sarah and Matt Denig. Next up, here's a few minutes from one of our GoBundance specials. When we were at our mastermind in Steamboat, Colorado this summer, I got to get a few minutes with, with two of the speakers that were on stage teaching millionaires about how to succeed in life. So this is with Craig Valentine and the Psychology of Money author, Morgan Housel. You had such a huge bio when I was trying to figure out how to introduce you. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to let Craig tell us what's going on. Yeah, this was back in 1999. I had to go through all of these different levels of competing. And out of 160,000 people, I ended up winning the World Championship of Public Speaking for Toastmasters International. That's incredible. And about two days after I won the World Championship, which happened in Chicago, I'm walking into Chicago Airport. And my wife is on one side of me, and I'm carrying this gigantic trophy, crystal trophy. Yeah. You know, and everybody's just looking at me like, who is that? I, I thought I thought I heard somebody say, is that Denzel Washington? Yeah. <laughs> hey, you didn't have to laugh that hard. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> hey, well, sorry, I thought no, that was the punchline. No, no, there. no. Yeah. This is what I, I realized my life would never be the same. This, <laughs> this petite lady in this pink dress runs up to me, and she starts reading the bottom of my trophy. And it says, 1999 World Champion of Public Speaking. She says, wow, 1999 World Champion of Public Speaking. Say some things. Yeah. And I was speechless. She's like, speak. Yeah. And that's when I realized no matter where I go in my life, people are going to say, would you mind saying something? So the, the lesson I learned from that is don't get ready, stay ready. Don't get ready, stay ready. And if you're ready with your story, you're always ready to speak. And so that's what I help people do. That is so cool. Do you have like a few different Denzel. versions of every story? So do you, do, you, do you like I've heard of like, what's your elevator pitch? What's your 30 second pitch? If you got 30 seconds, to tell this story. If you got two minutes, to tell this story. Do you do anything like that? Do you think like that? I have different stories. Okay. I have different stories. Not So for example, that story I just told right now, what the foundational phrase for that story was that people will remember and repeat is don't get ready, stay ready. Don't right? get ready, stay ready. I love that. Now I might tell that same story and give a different foundational phrase that they can remember and repeat based on who I'm talking to. So COVID, like 18 months ago, the world just goes crazy. So it first hits and I'm in a panic. I'm fire selling my houses. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I wish I wouldn't have bought that house. I wish I had that money back. People panicking everywhere for, for you know a month or two. And then you know some businesses thrived and some businesses failed. How has the, the, your version of psychology of money, when you think about like kind of that, that six month period between March 2020 and like August and September 2020, was so wild that yeah. people were experiencing. What did you see during that time? What did you feel during that time? One thing that I think is is always been true, but we've learned so starkly over the last year and a half, is that risk is what you don't see coming. Yeah. That risk is what's left over when you think you've thought of everything else. Because we in the financial industry, whether you're an investor or a financial advisor or an economist, whatever, we spent the decade debating what the biggest economic risk was. Yeah. And almost everything that we talked about was our budget deficit's too high, are interest rates going to get too high? Is inflation going to be too much? Are the trade wars going to ruin us? That's what we'd spent all the time talking about. Mm-hmm. 
And it's funny to look at that in hindsight because now we know in hindsight, none of those things actually mattered. Yeah. The only thing that moved the needle was a virus that no one was talking about, roughly, at least in the financial uh, field. Yeah. No one was predicting, no one was forecasting. And then it hit and 30 million people lose their jobs. So I think, it, and if you look historically, it's always like that. The things that we talk about every day in the news, by and large, this might sound flippant, but don't tend to matter that much, yeah. at least on a, on a grand, broad scale. But if you look over a long period of history, there's usually an event once per decade or so that moves the needle more than everything else before it. And the common denominator of those events is that no one saw them coming until they happened. COVID, September 11th, Pearl Harbor. You can go down the list of these things that move the needle more than anything that no one was talking about till the moment they arrived. And that's so wild in the... And in Pearl Harbor, even with the warnings, like that couldn't actually happen. And with even, the other stuff. Yeah. Even when there are warnings, it's not taken seriously. So to the individual's mind, they're not thinking about it. On September 10th, yeah. the average American is not thinking about terrorist attack. Absolutely. None. But it mattered more than anything. Same with COVID. January 2020. How many economists were warning about viral pandemics? None. They were talking about trade wars, budget deficits, those kind of things that in hindsight did not matter. All right. And if you liked that one, remember that was one of our GoBundant specials that published on November 8th. Stay ready with Craig Valentine and the psychology of money with Morgan Housel. Real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Amuchastegui for a quick commercial break. So during 2020 and 2021, the real estate market completely changed. There's so much competition in the market, so many people trying to buy and sell houses, but there's hardly any supply, hardly any product, hardly anyone willing to list their homes. It's time for every agent out there to become a hybrid agent investor, to be able to reach out directly to homeowners to try to get them to sell or list their house. We've got a new website. Go to leadpropeller.com and you can set up your own investor buyer website in just minutes. You'll set up your own URL, set up phone numbers, help go through the leads, help reach out to people that aren't listing their, pro their property currently and have them fill out a form that says, hey, I wanna sell my house. And then as an agent, you can go through and make them a hybrid offer. You can tell them, hey, I think your house would sell for $220,000 on MLS, but I can either write you a $180,000 cash offer right now, or I can help you fix it up and you'll list it for 220,000 on MLS. These are buyers that are looking for quick cash offers. Tens of thousands are submitting these forms every single day and they're skipping the listing process. But so many of you guys out there are such good agents, it's a great opportunity to get that lead and help them maximize sales price for their home. So again, go to leadpropeller.com and think about signing up for your own investor site so buyers will start reaching out to you, asking you to make an offer on their home. Next up, here's a few minutes of episode 1000. Can you believe that? I got to interview Pat Hyben, the founder of the Real Estate Rockstars podcast. We got to talk about all sorts of stuff. We got to talk about why he started the podcast, some of the lessons that he learned, some of the news that's out there, and kind of why we do what we do. Here's a few minutes of that one. There was an interview with a guy just a few weeks ago. He was doing a drop by, right, knocking on the door of somebody he'd worked with before. And the guy had said, hey, is this other thing real? He was looking at like one of those, you know, iBuyer offers. And was like, hey, should I, like, I reached out to this person, but because he had knocked on the door, the guy was like, hey, is open door really work? And they were like, well, let me see your offer. And they were, you know, and it was a different company, but it was one of those iBuyers. And he goes, well, yeah, yes, but I could also list it for you and we could do this. And this is how it's going to work. And he got the business because he did the drop by at a random time. And 
the guy wasn't going to bug him. He was just going to try to get that quick offer. Like there's systems really help grow businesses, but nothing um, grows your reputation quite like, you know, hands-on service and people seeing you face-to-face. But it was when David Green was slow on business, helping people move, ended up getting, turning one sale into three or four. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that now's the time to start getting back in. Yeah. The other guys aren't because everybody else is lazy, especially now coming up the holidays. You know, now's the time to get down to the nitty gritty and start and, 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 you know, start hustling um, because your competitors won't be. Yeah. Getting the trying to do the extra. There's been a lot of times over the past few years, the conversation was. You know, will Zillow replace agents and agents are paying Zillow for ads, but then Zillow is going to try to do it themselves and can technology replace agents? And, and then we get to see this full cycle thing. And I think now Zillow is like, we're, hey, we're not going to try that part of the business anymore, or they're going to do it, or they're going to change to something else. Do you think it impacts the story you tell yourself that someone should tell themselves about technology replacing agents or is Zillow something to be feared? Because there was a time when it was like, don't give Zillow your money for ads because they're trying to steal our business eventually. Well, I mean, I think that on, on one hand, you could look at it as, yeah, their, their technology. I mean, I can remember you and I talking about it and on the state of the market before you even bought the podcast. Like, yeah. like, so that's how long ago it was, right? When it was coming out, then everybody started doing it. It is possible that the market, that the economics of the market made the technology look like it was working and and maybe the fact that it's not working anymore is indicative that the market is going down, if that makes sense, you know? So I, I don't know the answer to that, but you know, one thing you got to think about, Aaron, is Zillow's, a, you know, there, there, there's a hundreds if not thousands of phds that work at zillow right in the main office there's all kinds of really smart people the ceo there's brilliant maybe they know something we don't know you know maybe maybe they see like the the market is is peaked and it's going to go start going down the mountain now it would be a really bad time to get into the flipping game at this juncture so we're out that is such an interesting perspective because you're you're totally right when when the market is increasing like it did the last two years it makes every flipper every i buyer look brilliant anybody that bought a house and you could it makes really really bad flippers look brilliant because if you were right. so bad it took you six months to remodel a house you actually made more money than if you would have remodeled it in a month because the market's increasing and i one of the when i was asking myself like Zillow is selling all these houses and they're going to take a $500 million loss or big numbers, right? And the numbers are so big, it's tough to even comprehend what's real big or not. Just like you said, is 7,000 houses a lot? I don't know. Is $500 million loss for Zillow that much? I don't know. But part of me says the market for the last year, if you bought a house a year ago, if you bought 7,000 houses a year ago and you owned them today, they would be worth more than $500 million more, right? So part of me thinks if they believe the market was going to continue, they would say our cost of money is 4%. The market's going to increase more. We'll just wait and sell these things in six months. Even if they right. do nothing and sell them six months from now, they should right. sell for more right. unless market's going down or balancing out. Yeah, right. Exactly. Right. But instead, they're like, nope. They they laid off 25% of their workforce. I don't know what that means either. If those were contractors or agents or what. But that's any company laying off 25% of their workforce in one week is a lot. 
It's funny though. It's kind of funny. I mean, it's like easy come, easy go. Cause I can, cause it reminds me of conversations you and I had on this show where we're just like, Oh my God, this is a new thing. And everybody was getting in it. Right. Everybody was getting in this. Yeah. Um, and I knew all along, right? I, or I've known all along, and, and I could be wrong even making this statement because it could get another three, four years out of it. But it felt like I knew all along that it's, you know, people don't realize that things do change, you know? They do, they go up and they go down. That's what the, it's always been like that. I th- you know what, Pat? I, I think you're right. Any last things you want to tell all the listeners? No, it's great to see everybody again. That sounds funny, right? Uh, great to hear whatever you want to call it. Thanks. Uh, thanks for staying loyal uh, to the show. Uh, I still get to listen to Aaron on here. I still kind of watch uh, from afar. And uh, I'm so happy that it's that it's become what it has become and that it's still chugging along and that so many agents are being a part of it and the guests are are, are excited and, and it's changing so many lives. Uh, Aaron, show me the video. Uh, it really warmed my heart uh, right before the show started. It was a great way to start the show uh, for all you guys that did video testimonials. Thank you very much. That means a lot. I, you know, it was a blast from the past. I saw some of you guys in there. I was like, oh yeah, I remember interviewing her or him. So anyways, yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me on for the thousandth episode. And Aaron, if there's ever anything I can do, you know, reach out anytime. Happy to do a state of the market anytime you got some good uh, good news that's that we can engage back and forth on i'd love to do it all right remember if you want to go hear the rest of that one that one's easy to remember episode 1000 with the founder of the real estate rockstars podcast pat hyben next up episode 1001 getting out of the military and into real estate with shelby osborne I had such a fun conversation with Shelby. I'd met her in person just about a month or two before this, and she had some really interesting takes on how she's succeeding in real estate. Here's a few minutes of that one. So why did you decide you wanted to become an agent in 2018? I was in the military for six years. I graduated in 2012 and commissioned into the military and spent six years of development for sure, um, personally. And then you get to that point, probably with any like W2 job where you start looking around and you can see your next five, 10, 15 years. And I started thinking about what that looked like. And I had a pretty clear picture and it wasn't what I wanted for myself. And so I started looking out, you know, for different ways to stop trading potentially my time for money. And that's when I found real estate investing. So I was an investor first, investor-minded first, and then decided to get out of the military to pursue real estate full-time as an investor and also an agent, because I figured what better way to nest you know, my goals of making a- active income and pouring them into passive income. And it just made a lot of sense, especially since you know, with real estate as an agent, there is no ceiling. It's daunting, but like if you, you know, crush it, you, there's no one who's going to say, no, you can't make more this year. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, there's no barriers to entry. There's no ceiling. The, I mean, you're instantly an entrepreneur. I think that's, that's what some people don't understand all the way, right? When they think some people might think of it as another job and you have to think about it like you're, like you're running your own business, right? Your, your time frame, your decisions, people yes. aren't going to make it happen for you. But again, there is no ceiling. So if you, uh, if you do well, if you work hard and you get a little bit of luck in there too, uh, totally not pretty good. Yeah, for sure. So 2018, you did a bunch of deals. And then 2019, you started your team? Yeah, it was January of 2019 is when we became official. I started planning for it in September-ish. So if somebody is coming into their 
you know, whether they're in their second or third year or their 10th or 11th and they want to, they think they want to start a team, what advice would you give them? Do you really want to? <laughs> you're, like, you're like, you don't. It's hard. I'm like, I'm not sure. I mean, no, some people really do want to. And I don't regret it at all. Like, I'm very, very grateful for the team and the community that has been built and still exists. But being a traditional team leader where, you know, the, the splits are high, you know, it's 50-50 or even more if you're doing listings, that comes with a lot of responsibility. Because the amount of value you have to provide, you don't have to, but I felt obligated to, has to equate to the amount of money that these the your agents are contributing towards that team. And so um, it's just, it, it is a lot of work and it's absolutely possible, but you definitely have to have be systems minded and attract the right people. If you have systems and you have the right people to run those plays and help continue to grow those systems, I mean, the world is yours. You can do anything. Very cool. Any last kind of recommendations, excitements, predictions, stuff that you love, things that you need, either investors or agents need to hear? I would say both investors and agents need to accept the fact that they are the ones who will make or break their success. And there is no easy button. I see this time and time again. It's like people are just looking for an easy button. As an agent or an investor, like, okay, well, what's the easiest, best, fastest way, but you can't replace the work. No matter how many checklists, tools, who's teaching you, whatever, it's up to you about putting those things into action. It's up to you using your own brain and critical th- critically thinking and finding the solution, even if it's difficult to find. So just like embracing the fact that they own their destiny is what I would recommend. I love that. The, yeah, we're in charge. The, we're in, there's, there's a lot of, uh, you say you can make your own luck. I've had a lot of I've had a lot of lucky experiences that helped some of my bets turn out a lot better. Uh, but I had a lot of I, I had a lot of times and a lot of years and a lot of businesses that failed and didn't work out when I was trying that same amount. So, so the you are as an as an agent as an investor you are in control of your destiny. There's uh, I love the I love just that simple quote that there is no easy button. All right, if you want to hear the rest of that one. Go back and listen to the rest of episode 1001, Getting Out of the Military and Into Real Estate with Shelby Osborne. Hey, real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Buchastegui, and I'm interrupting myself to bring you this commercial break from one of our sponsors. And I know, I know you guys would much rather listen to the content and not the ads and not the sponsors, but this is one that I'm actually super, super excited with. You know, so many of the realtors that we interview on the show, they talk about how much systems are important and how much follow-up is important. And I'm really, really excited about our new sponsor. There's somebody I've been looking at for a long time. And when they reached out to me, I said, yes, we have to be able to do this deal. So that sponsor is Follow-Up Boss. You know, on an interview last week with Agent Mark McGuire, I asked him what his favorite software and what his favorite system was. And he said it was Follow-Up Boss. And then he went on for another three or four minutes to talk about why Follow-Up Boss was the best CRM he uses. So there's a lot of superstars out out there that use Follow-Up Boss. Some of the stats they gave me, Robert Slack, 1.5 billion team in Florida, number one in the US. He uses Follow-Up Boss to get a 400% ROI on its massive paid lead spend. Deborah Beagle, co-owner of the Ashton Group in Nashville, uses Follow-Up Boss to guarantee the agents who join her team get two homes under contract in the first 90 days. That's a big guarantee for new agents. 
Barry Jenkins of the, your friends in real estate uses Follow Foss to automate everything so his team can produce 200 million on 25 hour work weeks. All right, so here's an offer. You guys are gonna get this special for being Real Estate Rockstars listeners. Now I've, I've used Follow Up Boss. We've actually used it in our non-real estate businesses as well because it's so good at being able to set timers, set automatic texting and emailing, and what do, what do you know, best name ever, Follow Up. So here's what we got. For Real Estate Rockstars listeners, you get a 30-day free trial. That's normally 14 days. So in order to get this, you go followupboss.com forward slash rockstars. So again, followupboss.com, just like it sounds, forward slash rockstars. Go there, get your 30-day free trial, and check it out, especially if you aren't using any systems or any CRMs yet. This will be a great one for you to start with. All right, everybody, thanks again. Now back to our show. Next up, here's a few minutes of State of the Market 84. On our State of the Markets, we go through and we look at the news headlines that are out there in real estate and we try to unpack them for you and make them applicable. For State of the Market 84, it was me and Kimberly Meserve talking about these headlines. Here's a few minutes of that one. And part of the lawsuit says, well, in our earnings call in May and August, Zillow said in May, the iBuyer program is surpassing our internal expectations. And then in August said surpassing and continues to accelerate. So the, the last two earnings call was like, everything is awesome, better than we could have imagined. And then all of a sudden it was like, okay, we made a big mistake. We're out. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's crazy how quickly that changed. So it's like lesson learned. You shouldn't, it, they basically were gambling with houses, right? Like they're betting on this appreciation and there's so many things that can happen to halt that, right? Like what if, not that it's going to happen, but a lot of times like interest rates, those things are tied to big events. Like someone could have bombed the US and started war. Like that's gonna change things. And we don't often think about that stuff, but like that could change interest rates. Suddenly your buyer pool slows down. Like they, it's almost like they just failed to think about all these things and they're like, woo, like the real estate market's on fire. Let's take advantage of it. Right. Which is what normal people, like normal, regular people, they're doing that, right? They're like, let's buy Bitcoin. Let's buy houses. Everything's going crazy. But the, but they are, they, they're got, they're publicly traded. They're dealing with right. someone else's and money. It, like they have a fiduciary Bitcoin. responsibility. Like, yeah. It's not Bitcoin. Like if you're like, oh shoot, like Bitcoin is tanking, sell, sell, sell. Like real estate, you don't just like sell it so quickly like that. <laughs> I, I kind of wonder that do they actually know how to interpret the data that they have? Because if they did, we're talking about a company that's going in and like, I've heard tons of stories about like offer pad, offer this for my house, open door, offer this for my house. And then like Zillow just knocks them out of the park. It's like, it's almost like there was no logic behind what they were doing. They're just like, whatever, like, let's do whatever we have to to buy all these houses with like no there's a lot that I would love to know the, about yeah. what, what was going on there. I would love to know too what the incentive structure is. One of the big problems when like little funds would start buying a lot of houses in SFR is if there was a bonus at every purchase or something. If somebody was getting paid a point or two every time there was a purchase, yeah. then, then incentives aren't necessarily aligned and they're like, hey, we just want to win because Zillow is big enough. So that, that lawsuit... If it go, if it gets much legs, I'm sure it will go into compensation. Were there people that got big bonuses or changed it based on hitting certain metrics that led to non-aligned incentives through that? But I think yeah, it's and I, I mean, all it really takes is like one lawsuit for people to start digging, right? Like that. I'm curious to see how this all plays out. If it, it could be nothing, or it could end up being like a huge 
scandal. Like who knows, maybe like you're saying, people were incentivized to hit certain metrics or buy a certain amount of properties or whatever. Like it's going to be interesting to watch. See, see, follow the money, see how it happened. So I like that. So I said, Hey, maybe it means the prices aren't going to stay up. You said, no, I think they just did a bad job. All right. Remember that was a few minutes of state of the market 84. One of our topics is Zillow predicting a housing market crash with Kimberly Meserve. Go back and listen to that one. Next is a few minutes of episode 1002, how to succeed as a brand new buyer's agent with Calvin Pringles. Calvin's a longtime listener. I met him in person at a few different events throughout the US and it was fun to get to talk to him about his real estate career and the action that he's taking. Here's a few minutes of that one. How do you monetize your sphere? Your sphere, Like, so your sphere of influence, the people you know, the people you see, what are, is it? Is it social media? Are you making sure everybody knows? Like, how do most of those actually come to you? Especially for, for because we talk about it a lot. Like, hey, you got to get it from your sphere of influence, your sphere of influence. But if you were going to give somebody a crash course that's new in real estate, how to get deals, get listings, or become a buyer's agent for a sphere of influence, how do you do it? I think there's a couple of ways to go about it. You know, when I first got into real estate, I think the KW method is like write down the first fifty people that you know, call them, and tell them that you're in real estate. Yep. For me, that was super uncomfortable. So like I did it, but it was like pulling out teeth and I had to like, you know, ha- sit down late on a Friday night, have a beer and then make those calls. Right. Yeah. So um, that was super painful for me. But they say um, there's an analogy about marketing. And it's like it's like playing basketball um, and then putting out the content is kind of like playing defense. But um, actually going out and reaching out to these people is more like playing offense, like you're trying to score. So social media has been the number one driver for me and just staying top of mind for people. Um, if they ever have a question, I can kind of sense like when I'm able to go for the close, like when they're ready. Right. But other than that, um, just playing defense by putting out content. Um, I think it's super helpful. Um, like you, David Green and Ken McElroy are the three drivers for all the information that I put out. And I regurgitate to my clients in all of my sphere. That's awesome. No, I love, I love getting to, I love getting to see you reshare so many of the new, the new stuff that we do and the discussions that it creates because as informed agents, so many of our state of the market podcasts are really to help inform agents and form listeners. So that way, when we're out there talking to clients, right, we know what's going on. I've got a listing that we put on the market on Thursday and the, we got four offers on it. And it was funny as they were coming in because they're all competing against each other, but I think it's a little slower market. So they weren't sure how many offers were going to be coming in. It was just thinking as these agents were having a tough time picking which offer right? We're having to work really hard on the listing side to say what offer is the best. And I wish that these agents were listening to the podcast and or like putting that whatever their best foot forward is in that extra communication to be, because somebody going from 370 to 410 or 415, it's like, oh, we were offering 370, but since you have multiple offers, we'll go ahead and pay 410 or 415. It's like, man, what a what a mistake as, a, and I get it. I get now that the market's a little slower, people are like, well, I don't think we have to offer asking anymore because it's, and then after they're like, oh crap, like bring your best offer at the beginning. You bring that 410 offer at the beginning instead of the starting with the 370 of that, because it, I mean, because they're approved for it. It's just, it's a silly example um, of people that are like, oh, well, well, we'll just, we'll up it by 40 grand then. If you actually have other offers, we'll up our price. It's like, man, why did you make it like easy? When- when when was the last time an agent was able to get their client a deal like that? Like 30K under list price? Like even since I've been in the industry, it hasn't been something that has been like 
like maybe one of every 20 deals you do, you know, you'll get a, a crazy steal like that. But, you know, with that being said, there's a reason why 5% of the agents sell 95% of the homes, right? Yeah. It's like setting that expectation with your clients and just being knowledgeable about like what's going on in the market and keeping your finger on the pulse of the market is going to help your client at the end of the day. Hey, real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Muchastegui with a quick commercial break. Now you've been listening, you've been waiting, and now the big rent ready mystery can be revealed. Rent ready just launched rental property accounting for landlords. It's so new. I haven't even got a chance to check it out yet. Now you can easily connect your rental properties from rent ready to an accounting software created specifically for landlords with rent ready's newest partner, REI hub. Now I've used a lot of payment processing systems in the past, and it's always been a challenge even asking them to generate APIs so it can talk to our existing systems. And they're really, any type of software that collects payments doesn't make it very easily to do that. But now with RentReady, you can automatically transfer properties and charges from your RentReady profile. You can track your income and expenses with matching rules and payment templates to speed up your bookkeeping. View your profit and loss or cash flow by property or unit. Get your portfolio's balance sheet, schedule ease, and more. Guys, we're so excited about this. And here's something even more exciting. As always, with Rockstars, you get a special, special opportunity. If you're not currently using RentReady, you can sign up using our special code ROCKSTAR50 and get 50% off your RentReady subscription. Once you set up your properties, you can add rental property accounting as a premium feature. If you're currently using RentReady, go check out the new accounting features designed to save you time and money while you manage your business. And remember, it's RentReady with an I at the end, R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I.com. Thanks for listening. Go check them out. All right. And as the highlight, go back and listen to the rest of 1002 with Calvin Pringles if you liked that one. Next up, here's a few minutes of episode 1003, How to Generate Free Real Estate Leads on YouTube with Cody Steck. If somebody says, hey, I want to start a YouTube page right now, what are the first four or five videos they should start with? Because uh, so much of everything is just start, yeah. right? And yeah. if you've never done video before, that can seem overwhelming. But like recording four or five videos and uploading them to me does not seem overwhelming. Which yeah. four or five would you tell people to do? Yeah. So the thing that you've got to focus on is is you got to you got to look at what people are searching for, you know. And generally with YouTube, I'd say probably eighty to ninety percent of the leads that I'm getting are people relocating to my area. Um, that's kind of been exaggerated because of the pandemic. And uh, everything going on with that, so that's been really uh, beneficial actually to my business because people are moving around, and um, so a lot of people coming in from out of state, so they're looking for these t- certain uh, video topics. And so the top five videos that I'd recommend making first would be pros and cons of living in your area, um, cost of living in your area, something around the theme of like don't move to my area if you don't know X Y Z. Um, I would also do a vlog, uh, probably two vlogs. I'd probably pick the two most populous or popular um, cities in your area and actually go do a vlog around them. So one of my first videos was top five neighborhoods in Salt Lake. And uh, I just picked the the best five neighborhoods where housing was good, schools are good, crime was low, all that stuff. And I uh, just went and did a tour. And uh, you can find some examples on my channel of, of what that looks like. So those are things that people are actually searching for. It's not like Hey, how to buy a house in Salt Lake City? That's not what people are looking for. They're looking for what are the pros and cons of living there? What's the cost of living there? What does it actually look like? Are there trees? Are there sidewalks? How wide are the roads? What do the houses look like? Those are the things that they're actually looking for. Yeah, or, or best neighborhoods in Salt Lake City. I I, yeah. I like that. So, and then why why would someone do that? 
Yeah. So you really got to capture their attention. Attention. I mean, if you, you might not know this, if you're just starting out your channel, but if you went and looked at my channel, uh, roughly 25 to 30% of people click off the video within the first three to four seconds. So they click on your video. If they don't like the background, if they don't like the quality of it, if something looks a little bit off, they're going to click off right away. If you don't nail that intro, if you don't nail that first 10, 20, 30 seconds, uh, you're going to lose 50, 60, 70% of people who click on the video. And um, so even if you've got a video that might say it has a thousand views, well, if only 50% of them are watching the first 30 seconds, that doesn't do you a whole lot of good because they're not even getting into the meat and potatoes of the actual video. So nailing that um, intro is so crucial. And, and that's really where it comes down to like, don't mess around, you know, don't clickbait them. Don't um, say, you know, don't tell them a story right off the bat and say, Hey guys, you know, here's what I did today and blah, blah, blah. Nobody cares about that. They clicked on the video because they want to know what the cost of living is. And you kind of just need to get straight into that. After you kind of caught their attention and you say, Hey, here's why you need to watch this video. Then you can kind of say, you know, make sure to reach out to me. If you're moving to my area, you can kind of pitch yourself a little bit, but then get right back into the video after that. Yeah. What is what is a YouTube lead like? How often are you getting them? What's that experience like? And how often are you actually doing business with them? Yeah, the YouTube is the most mind-blowing lead source that I've ever seen. Um, and that's why I've gone all in on it. The lead quality is extremely high. My price point in 2020 went up over $150,000, not only because the market went up, but primarily because I was working with higher-end buyers. Most of the people moving to my area are... Uh, getting new jobs, um, or they've got kind of the financial flexibility to make a move um, and work remote or get a new job or whatever. And generally, those people are buying really nice homes. So um, again, I'd have to check uh, my final numbers. It's been a month or two since I checked, but last I did check, I was sitting around a 7% closing ratio. So the lead flow is lower. I'm not getting hundreds of leads or anything like you can get with Facebook leads. Um, I've probably pulled in about five or 600 leads over the last two years but I'm closing at about 7%. So very high ratio, very high quality. These people are reaching out to you. So they really respect what you do as an agent and they respect your time, your professionalism. You know, I think the one thing I also found with uh, Facebook was you get a lot of these leads who uh, you know, you're trying to chase them down. You're like, hey, you're on my website. Let's go look at some houses. Like You're trying to convince them to work with you. And YouTube is the complete opposite. These people reach out to you and they say, I saw your YouTube videos. I can't believe I'm talking to you. I need to, you know, I'm moving to Salt Lake City and here's what I'm looking for. Can you please help me? Like that's, those are literally the conversations that I have. And, you know, I just kind of smile and say, yeah, I would love to help you, right? I mean, those are the best types of leads. All right. And if you want to go hear more from Cody Steck about how to generate free real estate leads on YouTube, remember that is episode 1003. Next, we've got a few minutes of episode 1004, Selling Luxury Real Estate to the Ultra Rich with Stan Ponte. Man, that was a fun conversation I had with Stan. So many stories of getting into real estate, so much good attitude. We could have talked for a very long time. Here's a few minutes of that one. Uh, somebody called me today and they said, hey, I bought a new car and I'm nervous about it. I'm having this worry that it's too expensive of a car payment. And I'm, and I'm telling them, well, there's two different mindsets. When things go bad, we have this mindset or this idea of we should be careful for later, or you know you don't want to add a bunch of bills right now if it's not going to go. But there's this other mindset that says you're going to keep growing your business, and next month you'll be making more, you know, than this month. You're always one deal away or the next deal away, and you can think about everything just like you said, positive or negative. That growth mindset. Yeah. 
uh, or not. And you want to know whether the car is an ego stroke only inwardly or whether that car is something you're going to be driving clients around in too. So you're getting some value, right? Because certainly, you know, having, having started in this business broke, right? Broke. Yeah. Living on someone's couch in New York City, it's not fun. Uh, when you start making money in this business, it comes fast and it's cash, right? Crazy, so yeah. you're getting cash, no taxes are taken out. You're starting to get checks for 30 grand, 80 grand, 90 grand. You go from nothing to money really quickly. And if there's one thing I would say to anyone who's starting out in this business, especially if you're starting from the bottom, is get really smart about money early. Pay those taxes quarterly. Get your head on straight with cash flow because you know what? A check for 50 grand is 30 grand on a good day. And if you spend 50, you're 20 grand in the hole. And believe me, I've been there and it is no fun, no fun. So if you can uh, get smart with your money early, you'll do a lot better in this business. You've yeah. got to, I was a waiter before all of this. And I remember working at this restaurant in Little Italy, SPQR. And it was like my second week there. And this guy handed me a hundred bucks for nothing. And I was on fire that night. The restaurant was packed. I was the waiter of the century. And we made all these tips. And you know, I worked for like a head waiter. It's like, wow, you're amazing. I'm like, yeah, that guy gave me a hundred. Anyway, night two, right? Now I do a big table, right? One of those where it's like cappuccinos and espressos, and then they return seven things and the whole thing. And they stiffed me, stiffed, zero tip. So for that night, I am moping around this restaurant. We sit down at the end of the night, did just as many people, just as much money came through the restaurant. And the head waiter's like, what happened? I'm like, yeah, they, they stiffed me. He's like, listen, you got to come in here every day and work. You can't work for tips. And I say, you can't work for commissions. You've got to do your job to the best of your ability as a real estate broker representing your client. The money follows. I promise. I've lived it. The money follows. If the money leads, it's just, it's very hard to keep it going. Very hard to keep it going. At least it was for me. I also like five that. Five a day, five a day. You got to pick up the phone, text or email, five people you know every single day with something interesting to say, right? So in the morning, I read all the blogs. I read the New York Post, New York Times, Wall Street Journal. I read everything I can consume and I build a small list of five people. So if I read about an apartment selling upstairs from my client that I sold an apartment to two years ago, I write down because then I'll call that client later in the day or text or email, whatever is the way they like to communicate. Say, hey, I noticed that apartment two floors upstairs just went on the market for seven million. Great that we got you in at four and a half. Have a great day. That's it. In and out, right? Yeah. But that, that person knows I'm alive. They know I exist. And that person sometimes happens to call and says, you know what, Stan? We were thinking about selling. Why don't we, why don't we sit down and talk about it? If you do five a day, it's hard to do. 150 a month, right? Do the math. There's a lot of contacts. This will be a huge piece of business. You either run five miles a day or you don't. And you know the difference between people who run five miles a day and those who don't? Yeah. They run five miles a day. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only difference. You either do it or you don't. You either call five people a day or you don't. But if you do, you'll make more money. All right. And if you like that one as much as I did and you haven't listened to it yet, remember to go back and listen to the full interview with Stan Ponte, episode 
1004. And that's a wrap. That's the end of our November podcast highlights. Hopefully you had a quick 30 or 40 minutes and you got to catch up on the things that Real Estate Rockstars has been doing in November. God, Thanksgiving happened, a holiday hit. We're heading into December now and you've got one month to finish completing those 2021 goals. And some people at this point take their foot off the gas and start planning for 2022, especially in real estate. December is traditionally a slow month in in real estate throughout the years. Now, last year it wasn't, but we're seeing a little bit of that seasonal slowdown now. But I think everybody should be ready to hit the ground running in January. I think the real estate market is gonna come on strong again, just like it did this last January. And now is the time to prepare for it. I hope to have you hear me on the rest of our podcast in December. Thanks for listening. All right, real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Muchastegui jumping in again to thank you for listening to the show. Hopefully you guys loved listening to that one. And I want to make sure that you know about all of the extra resources that we have. And also we need your help. They say podcasts are free. You get to listen to podcasts for free. But what is the cost of that podcast? I would say if I could beg you to pay anything for that podcast, I would say the cost of the podcast is going and giving a review. So whether you download it on Google or Apple or YouTube or anywhere else, please go give us a review. Say what you liked, what you didn't like. It helps us get better guests. The more reviews, the higher we get in the rate rankings. Right now, we are the biggest podcast out there for real estate agents, and we want to keep that spot because we know there's lots of podcasts out there. So go give us a review. Also, be sure to go to hybendigital.com. If you liked any of the resources that those real estate agents talked about, We've got a huge video vault of those resources for free. Every punny that comes on the podcast that we interview, they give us something that helps them get their deals or helps them work with their clients. And we put that in the toolbox in our vault for you. So go to hybendigital.com and you can get it. If you're looking for real estate education, go to rebusuniversity.com. We have all sorts of courses in there to help agents succeed in real estate. How to get the listing, how to negotiate deals, you know, how to become an investor, all sorts of different stuff rebusuniversity.com. And if you want to chat with me, go find me on Instagram. If you come find me on Instagram, you can send me messages. Tell me what you want to hear. Tell me what you liked, what you didn't like. We try to put a bunch of content out there too. You can find me in two different places. It's at rerockstars.com for our real estate rockstars page or at erinamuchastegui.com for my personal Instagram page where I can chat with you about all sorts of different things. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.